Hey, welcome to Ox Return. Uh, we have uh, Takashi Miyake in the studio today. Takashi Miyake. Takashi Miyake, sorry. Uh, in the studio today to talk about their new record coming out in June, Castaway, and the uh, the couple of singles that you may have already heard already. Um, but I think let's jump right into a tune before we get started. And uh, what are we playing? What are we starting off with? We're going to play a song called Gone. Great. to Shaki Miyake with Gone on Ox Return. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, I've been watching the beautiful video for that song over the last couple of days. Um, amazing video, amazing song. Starring Sandy Denton. <laughs> yes, st- st- starring the bassist Sandy, who's, yeah, who's playing bass tonight. Um, so I kind of wa- want to get into um, the recording a little bit, but before that... Um, if you guys want to just maybe go around the room, who's who's with you tonight, Paige? 
Oh, I'm Paige, and um, I am the singer and uh, songwriter with Luke. Sometimes Luke and I write together. Sometimes I write by myself. And um, today I am playing guitar, and I and that's new in this lineup. We have with us um, uh, our friend Steve did a lot on drums tonight, and then um, Sandy on bass, and Luke on lead guitar and that's the normal band or the the band that's the the what we've been doing for years is a trio totally yeah you you're usually on drum kit yeah awesome <laughs> and and what was what was the decision behind maybe moving to guitar um i just feel like it's really hard when i'm playing live to be able to sing how i want and play drums <laughs> is it just like the 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 body bodily movements get in the way of i think i need one of those britney spears head microphones ah, sure. if i'm gonna do sure. it um does i think phil collins has like the head I, yeah i think set. he originated the uh the, <laughs> the britney spears microphone maybe yeah maybe you're the... right i should call it the phil collins headset um i don't know it just it's steve plays um has played with me with my solo music before and i really like his drumming and so it felt like a natural evolution to try out what this would be like. So you're the first to see it. Awesome. <laughs> um, is that what's on the record or are you playing drums? It's me on the record. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, not at the same time though, obviously, right? Just, it's um, well, it, not on this record. Well, actually we do sometimes track the vocal live and then I'll double it. Mm. So there are live vocal tracks and we've always done it that way because i find that when i play drums and sing i i sing differently my phrasing is different totally is that just because the the feeling of the drums coming into the mic while you're recording it or is that just a i think it's because of like i think when i'm playing drums i think of the the purpose of the vocal kind of differently than i do when I play guitar or piano, you know, it's it's the drums make me phrase things in a more rhythmic way, and I'm mm. just much more conscious of what's happening. And drums is very, um, it's more encompassing in some ways than guitar. You're in the you're in the driver's seat, in in there's more ways than lot, one. There's sometimes there's like, diff, yeah, sometimes I'm singing a syncopated thing to the beat. You know, mm -hmm. I guess I sort of do it on guitar now. I don't know. It's playing drums and singing changed how I phrased things vocally. And and I'm sure it had a lot to do with how the songs were written. I mean, when or did it? Well, I generally write on um, guitar and piano. So mm -hmm. it there's an evolution that happens, you know, once I write a song and I think it's all right enough to share, then once I hear it, you know, with other instruments playing or I'm playing drums and singing, it, it, it can evolve in different ways depending on the tune. There is one song on the record that I don't play drums on because I imagined this sort of like Keith Moon style drumming and I just don't play like that. So, you know, rather than torture myself over that, I just brought in my friend Richard who plays sort of wildly. Awesome. On our record, he's even well, he's even more like Keith Moon in his personal life than he is. That's an unnecessary comment, I think. Musically, okay. <laughs> how I I, I kind of want to know what that means, or is that for off air? He lives it twenty four seven. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, uh, everybody should go check out the uh, the two videos that have been released. Gone. Um, back in january right yeah we we sort of the vinyl has become delayed and so our rollout is now extended hmm. and then and then a, a new video uh for castaway the single came out maybe a week ago two weeks ago or a month maybe ago a month ago yeah so i did um i i've been directing the videos and they look did, amazing thank you um we did two and then there's another video that's going to come out next week. Wait, is it Monday? Wednesday? Yeah, it is Monday, oh, yeah. damn. It comes out this week. Wednesday, <laughs> I believe. 
I got my my second vaccine and it made me so sick and I just I've lost a week of time and I don't know what day it is. Yeah, that yeah, happened to me last Sunday. That's me Same all thing. the time. Um, let's uh, let's jump into another tune and we can come back and talk maybe a little bit about the process of, of recording the new record Castaway. Great. Um, what are we What are we jumping into? We're gonna play an older tune that we don't often play anymore, but it just sounded cool with with Steve on drums. So awesome. This is a uh, Toshaki Miyake. It's on, best friend. This is Toshaki Miyake on Ox Return with a best friend.
So the new album is coming out. Uh, you want to take us through? I wasn't able to find. Where did you guys record the new album at? We recorded it mostly at um, Cassidy. This is a engineer called Cassidy Turbin at his home studio. Yeah, I was looking through the uh, the roster of uh, personnel. He got quite the uh, <laughs> quite the uh, list of engineers working on this record. Um, yeah, there was a there was a kerfuffle in the mixing stage. What uh, what what sort of kerfuffle? Well, it sort of had to do, I think, with like what we were experiencing earlier here, where things in the head, you know, what I learned um, from a recording perspective is how important headphones are and how important it is that you hear things clearly when you're working because sometimes what's being recorded and what you're hearing in your headphones are not the same thing. And so when I went to mix the record, that is when I made that discovery. Because it's, it's kind of hard if you're producing things um, and you're on the floor playing instruments, you're not always going in the control room and hearing everything, especially if you get on a roll and you're like feeling vibey and you just want to keep going. And it's, I think for me, like I learned a really big lesson about spending time in setup and so that you don't have to spend as much time in post like Absolutely fixing right. your mistakes. <laughs> so totally. it was a it was a very hard earned lesson. Um but it was a good lesson. So So did you find yourself having to go back and retract stuff based on oh, based on that? I didn't really retract stuff. I sat with some people who are much better at recording than me and you know got schooled about what was wrong with my tracks and why you know why it was hard for me to mix them because I would say like oh this is the problem I'm having with this mix no matter what I do it won't sound this way and they were like well it's never going to sound that way because listen to this you know and, I mm-hmm. would, and so it was those kinds of discoveries yeah in some ways it's a lot like baking where, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have, it's all chemistry, but, you know, if one thing is, the ratio is wrong on one aspect of it, then it throws everything off, and then, yeah you know, and then you gotta, you know. It's exactly, like, baking is a great analogy, because it's like, if you bake something, if you're baking cookies, and you don't let the butter be room temperature, if you try to microwave melt it, it will screw up the consistency of the cookie. Like, and that's what I did. I tried to microwave the butter. You know, <laughs> is, uh, yeah. just to interject, Paige is also a, a baker. I, I feel oh. like that's relevant. <laughs> I, I just want to interject Thanks. with that. She makes uh, really excellent cookies. If you've had her oatmeal <laughs> chocolate chip, um, yeah, it's, they're unforgettable. must have. Yeah, I don't have. bake, so that's why I'm like, oh, man, you know, it doesn't it, work for me. <laughs> you're right, though. Baking is a really... Um, exacting science and I think recording is too and I think a lot of people these days are kind of like oh like here's a real a thing that drives me crazy I'll be working with somebody and I'll you know like because I play drums and I'll and there'll be a ring in the drums if you if you guys record you know what I mean totally or like a bongy sound like a beat like it sounds like a basketball or something (laughs) and I'll be like that sounds terrible and they'll be like oh you won't hear that oh you won't hear that you're going to hear it. You know, you're going to hear it. If you hear it, you're going to hear it. It's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Tristan and I work a lot too. And I always say, I'm like, you want to get that ring? And you're like, and Tristan's always, no, it's in the key. Just leave it. <laughs> and I'm always like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I I will. I'm very serious about not having the, the rings and the, um, yeah, I've learned the hard way. If you can hear it, it's there and it's going to be there and it's going to, you know, Right. All the denoising apps in the world can't fix certain it's just things. Not, it's not worth, like, the trouble when you could fix it right there in the room. You know, mm-hmm. get a different drum. I re- think, yeah. Record, I, it in, record it in a different space. Yeah. It's it's like um, the analogy I use is, is because I have an interest in film and, and lighting and stuff. So, you know, if you light something really beautifully, you don't have to do a lot in post. And mm. it's the same with recording. If you spend the time setting it up and really get it how you want things to sound. And I actually have learned through this evolution of playing in this band and recording myself and other people that I actually like things that are quite naturalistic. And if if there's distortion in something, I like a natural distortion, like versus an unnatural distortion, sure. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or I want the distortion to be purposeful. Like if we're going to 
unnaturally distort something, I want that to be an artistic choice, not like I don't know how to use this gear, and so it's distorting the focal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how how did you make the decision uh, to go to Cassidy? Is he a... Is he a friend that you've worked he with is. previously? Yeah, he is. He, you know, several years ago, I don't know how long it's been because I actually have zero concept of time at all. Like, I think I have a disorder. There's probably a name for what this disorder is where I don't know if it's been one year or like 10 years, but. I think it's called musician. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I've known Cassidy for like a long time, but I don't know how long it is. So that's weird. But at some point he emailed us blind the band and we had just like finished the last record the dream Mm -hmm. so like 2017 it was before that though because that was also i mixed that record like three times too like i i've this when i say it's a hard-earned lesson i really mean it like i (laughs) yeah so um yeah so somewhere around then i think it was maybe more like 2015 or Mm. 20 yeah maybe like 2015 i um I had all these like solo songs. So I, I actually have made like an entire record of solo music with Cassidy. That's just, I haven't done anything with it. It's just, I'm hoarding it, you know, Mm, I like hoard stuff. (laughs) And, uh, so that's, I got to know him doing that. And then, um, we, I I just really liked the experience of working with him. He's, he's a really nice guy and he's really skillful at what he does and super just his vibe is so good. I just really, I like his studio and I like his energy. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the dream, well, I was looking through the liner notes for dream and, uh, and it, it said that Dan Horn, uh, worked on a lot yeah. of that record. Was he just, uh, engineer? Yeah. He, that's like, Luke should talk about Dan. That's Luke's best friend. Hmm. Luke. What I'm about, sh- what about him? I'm going to send the Dan Horn question to you. Uh, how how did you? I mean, Dan Dan is apparently, or you're a good friend of yours. Yeah, uh, we grew up together in Palo Alto back in the late '90s. Very cool. And we've been playing music forever. And you're just like, hey, bud, do you want to come and help out? You're uh, <laughs> you're an amazing engineer. I think a lot of it is just that who who we know and who we can stand like being in the same well, room with. We were going to do the whole record with Dan, but then he had to go on tour or something. The he got cast two- away? Yeah, cuz we did we started like two songs with Dan and he got he like went on tour and and um that's, you know, cuz the studio Dan's studio Luke lives at Dan's studio house. Mhm. So isn't that what happened? He went on tour. So he like got he went on tour with uh, somebody. Yeah, or some, what? Somebody died or something. I don't know. No, it wasn't that time. It was it was the tour. I think he went on tour. His Grateful Dead cover band. <laughs> yeah. Started blowing up, and he didn't, yeah. he didn't have time to record other bands anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is real facts. The, the van got the trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is facts. This is what happened. And so we started a couple things with him and then um, we took, that's why there's so many engineers, like, because we started a couple songs with Dan and then we went to Cassidy's and then my other favorite person to work with is Joel Jerome and Joel is my best friend and he, over the quarantine, we made an instrumental record with Joel, this band, Tashaki did. Hmm. And when we were making that instrumental record, there was one song that I ended up writing vocals to and then I was like, I think that should go on Castaway. And so we added that. And then also Joel was trying to help me mix Castaway at one point. And um, it wasn't his fault that he couldn't help. It was my fault. <laughs> so How could he not? Was it the same same it, issue that you were talking was about just, before? The tracks needed to be repaired. And um, he, Joel is, a, I think that I couldn't afford to, you know, hire him to repair them in the way I needed. So. Hmm. Well, I we, we we could just say it here. We don't have any sponsors. Isotope is too damn expensive. <laughs> well, I think it's not repairing anything. Yeah. I mean, to me, the record, or at least the two singles that I've heard so far, are uh, flawless, and uh, everybody should go take a listen. Thank um, you. Let's jump into another tune. Um, what do you guys want to play? S- I'm gonna switch to this other guitar. Oh, sure. What song? What? Which tune? 
title title track, perhaps. Oh, Maybe we segue. We're doing Cast Away the Song. There's Cast Away, there's the, cast song. away the Song. There's Cast Away the record and then there's cast away the movie the movie the film yeah i like to name songs after silly movies well it might be robert zemeckis's greatest achievement do you really feel that way no i didn't think so but i'm not i'm not a big hanks guy America's sweetheart. You're not a Hanks guy? What does that even mean? She's not a big Hanks guy. You're not a Hanks guy. Okay. All right, Luke. You know, Big was originally uh, written for De Niro. Jesus. And it was big, supposed, it was supposed big to be is more kind of serious. a fucked up movie. It would have been more fucked up. Big is kind of a fucked up movie. <laughs> when I saw that strange. movie for the first time yeah. as a child, I was really disturbed by it. I felt pretty disturbed by it also, just the fact that he was, like, rocking around with this... Elizabeth Perkins? Yeah, yeah with a, a grown woman. I think they could have made it so that they never had a physical relationship and the movie would have worked in the same way, like, oh, this grown woman is like, who is this man that that I'm just having a slumber party with? Like, she, it could have been that... It, for me, the movie would have worked better without them having a physical relationship i was very i feel disturbed by that but the tom hanks movie that i like is joe versus the volcano I'd, i'm not even i don't know that movie well it's a movie that bombed and it was directed by and written by john patrick shanley who is a pulitzer prize winning playwright and um he wrote doubt and mm. I, he made this movie and it's it's epic. I love it. It's a great movie. Underrated. But it bombed so hard. It's Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Jeez. It's hard to believe. It's one of Beth's favorite movies, Paige. I feel like Beth and I have the same taste in like movies and shows we've discovered, right? Yeah, I think you're right. It's such a good movie. The opening of that movie is one of my favorite movie openings. That movie, I just... When they're like trud they're like trudging through the mud. It's the art direction on this movie is is kind of incredible. Well, I, I I have to see it. And Meg Ryan plays two characters. She plays twin sisters. It's like a crazy movie. <laughs> My wife is texting me like, I cannot believe you have not seen Joe versus the volcano. You must have a brain cloud. Yeah, it must be that brain cloud. The 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 luggage in that movie is one of my favorite. It's like an like a an object, but as like a part of the movie. I, I don't know it at all. But Steve does. <laughs> when, when you watch it, you're gonna be like, "Wow, this movie." Is the luggage like the, like the siren in the beginning, a naked gun? Is that what? You're, like that's all I'm picturing right now, where it's, it's just, like going through well, malls and. Can different I spoiler? Places. Can I spoiler alert it? Please. Spoiler alert. He buys this. He thinks he's gonna die, and this is the premise of the movie. He thinks he's he hates his job. He has this boring office job, and he thinks he this doctor tells him he's going to die from a brain cloud, and so he's going to because he's going to die. He's decided to go jump into a volcano because the people on this island need someone to do that voluntarily to keep the volcano from exploding, and so he volunteers to do it. And Meg Ryan, w one version of Meg Ryan takes him to the boat and the other version of Meg Ryan sails him there. So she goes with him and the boat sinks and he bought this really expensive luggage cause he thought he was going to die. So he bought this really expensive, like old fashioned, like luggage, like you would see in like the twenties on like a train and it floats, right? It floats. And so they make the luggage into a raft and they, they survive the, the boat sinking. So he gets to the island and then jumps he gets into to the volcano. Yes, he does with nice. Meg Ryan, and you know, there's one point where he sings like Blue Moon or something with on the luggage, and then at the end when they they decide to jump in the volcano together because they've fallen in love, and the volcano spits them out and they land in the water and the luggage pops up. Oh shit! That, the whole island sinks when the volcano erupts. It's a small island and it just sinks, but the luggage. All right, Samsonite. I just don't see how this movie could fail with that plot line. I'm just I'm surprised. I mean, I gotta know. It has to be Samsonite luggage, right? It's basically it's like, the prequel to Castaway. 
I think it's like I don't know. It's 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 not a brand name. It's just this magic leverage. <sighs> they missed a perfect sponsor opportunity. It's a great movie. Even though I spoil alerted it, it's still really good. I prefer to know the ending before I engage in any movie. Just safer that way. Castaway uh, from uh, uh, Toshaki Miyaki from the new record Castaway coming out uh, this June. So, what you said that it's been a process um, learning, you know, mixing your own records, and I know that that's you know very difficult for a lot of artists to do. It's horrible. And, oh, I yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend it. But it's the it's just the way that you you have to do it. Is that We've just never had like a a big budget um, to like hire a team of people. So like me learning to do everything and doing everything was sort of like a a choice of economy. It wasn't like oh I want to be this person that does all these things. I actually don't want to do anything ever. Like I want to I want to sit on my couch with my dogs and watch Netflix. But here you are. In a, yeah. in a studio playing music well I like playing music with my friends I like I like playing music but I don't you know I'd like to hire like Dave Friedman to make our record you know I'd like to 
that's I'd like to do that. Maybe you know I'm putting that out there in the universe. <laughs> so intentions. Yeah. So well, how did you? How did you go? Did you just start piecemealing kind of like your your setup or how you started recording or did you just kind of do it as as you know as needed? Um, um, well, we've just always worked with different engineers that uh, we're friends with. And then I just got really into, you know, like how I wanted things to sound and, you know, this these things make these sounds and kind of, I guess that is piecemealing. Pieced it together off of like suggestions that people were giving you off of like, yeah. And I started collecting like little things that make a big difference to me, like little pieces of gear that for me have personality and like change things for me. And, um, you know, I got, I really dialed in my drum sound and Mm -hmm. I got really into that for a while, just kind of that and, um, just played around with different kinds of like effects and stuff. So what, what has been the difference between, uh, uh, the dream, the previous, uh, full length mm-hmm. and this, this new record coming out in June, uh, recording wise, um, aside from the personnel changes, there's a lot less, there's a lot less effects on everything. Like it's a lot, I feel like there's a lot more clarity. Like I think, when I was doing the dream, I think I wanted to put, you know, I wanted to put reverb on everything. I just put reverb on every single instrument. And then in the learning space between then and now, because I actually started making the recordings for the dream in 2012. It was just, I took a long time to do that. And I was doing other things and I would start and stop. And so, you know, there was a big learning curve there. And then there was a big learning curve from that one to this one. Mm-hmm. And I realized the value of having there be differences, you know, that reverb goes further if it's on one thing, if it's not on every single thing. I'm I'm super into like 50s recordings and older recordings, and I like the use of reverb in older records. And it's it's so clear too. like that's a thing I've become obsessed with is like how you have these. You know, like the Flamingos record, mm-hmm. I Only Have Eyes For You, which I'm obsessed with. There's so much reverb on it, but everything is very clear. Um, yeah. You know. I, I mean, I find myself more recently using mono reverbs than than stereo reverbs just for that reason. Yeah. And and I think, you know, all those, all those recordings from the 60s and 50s, those were, and, you know, mono plates or springs yeah. that are panned across the spectrum maybe but in most cases they're mono recordings and it's like you would think that you would get a lot more clarity from a stereo reverb but well know. on both records we use the reverb at capital mm, um, the, the chamber yeah multiple chambers mm-hmm. the reverb chambers there and um but i but even when you're doing it at a place like that that has an incredible reverb chamber there's still you know, like dialing it in and, and making sure that the things you're sending mm-hmm. on this record, the mistake I made was I was sending, I thought that when we were going to Capitol that stuff had already been EQ'd and it hadn't. And then we got there and I found that out and I was like, oh shit, well, we can't do it now. So we just, we're here, we made this appointment, so we have to just do it. And so then when you do that, when you send think like anyone who's listening to this that's an audio engineer is going to be like this girl is so dumb but this is really what happened so for other people that are self-taught and learning I'll share it is that if you if you haven't edited your files and you send them to the reverb chamber it enhances the negative aspects of everything so if there's like in the thing it's like that amplified and so that then created this other thing where then I had to go in and fix all the reverb are you, I had are to you, have someone help me fix the reverb. Are you talking about like mouth noise? No, I'm talking about just like, you know, sometimes like I don't have equipment that I'm using all the time that's incredible. So, you know, like there might be, it might not be the best microphone for my voice. Or like I said earlier where the headphones, I wasn't maybe hearing something that later when I listened to it in like flat speakers like I listen I like to listen to things on speakers that are really flat so that I can hear what it really sounds like and that's another thing I learned in this process so like I'd listen to it and I'd be like oh my god 
that has this horrible sound in it. You know, it has like a or some, whatever, like say it's my vocal. Mm-hmm. And so then that goes through the reverb chamber and then that part of the vocal, like the part of the voice that nobody wants to hear is like way amplified. And so then you have to, you have to fix it. And so, you know, that's a timely thing. And that's where I had Greg and John kind of helping me. I mean, really, they weren't kind of helping me. They were very much helping me. They're experts. And so, yeah. That was, you know, and they were like, well, yeah, this is what you did. And, and it made it worse. And I'm like, yeah. John is John is John Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an expert in the uh, atmospheric textural. He's an expert. Uh, at aspect. Yeah, yeah. He's an expert. at. I mean, I would say he's an expert at music and sure. the science of recording as well, like magnetism and why things do, you know? Yeah. Um, so there, he and his engineer, Greg Collar are great people to ask questions because they have, they've, they're so deep in it, you know, they're decades in it and they know the answer. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is like way beyond me. Just, I'm the first to admit. (laughs) Well, that's cool. So, so you took, uh, some, some parts of the record to Capitol, to the Chambers, some, some parts of this record or parts of the previous record? Both records, we use, we printed reverb. Cool. And so you just, uh, is that the only chamber that you use, just Capitol, or are you augmenting that with there's, the plugs? There's multiple chambers at, at Capitol. Yeah. So yeah, we, we printed the Capitol chambers. On the Dream, um, I think like it's most, on both records, it's mostly the capital thing but it's like if we recorded a tambourine after the fact then it's like a plate reverb mm-hmm. dan horn has a good plate reverb yeah it sounds cool so that's on there awesome was that uh and is that the reason why you got ian to uh ian sefchik to master it for you guys because you guys were already at capital or how did that relationship so ian is another person that luke knows from his bay area pals do you want to answer how we know ian luke Yeah. And I've known him and Dan since like the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And then those two guys had moved to LA and I didn't move here till years later. And those were like the only two guys I knew. So nice. That's who I work with. Yeah. Yeah. And then John, when John was working at Capitol, he and Greg and I and all got to know each other when, you know, because Ian was like, Ian taught himself to use a lathe and got really into that and was is mm-hmm. like one of the good people in town that that does that job, which is really hard to find. Highly, highly recommend. Yeah, he yeah. took that lathe out of out of storage. Right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And so he, um, you know, he knows how to do that, and that's like a a rare thing these days. And he, when you know, John and Greg were camped out at Capitol for a while, and they all just got to know each other. So then. I know him through through both places, through mm. Luke and through Craig and John. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I, I am not a big not a big uh not a big Robert Zemeckis guy though. <laughs> Ian's not, he doesn't like Robert He's, Zemeckis. He doesn't like any of that kind of like tug at your heartstrings kind of Forrest Gumpy stuff. Yeah. That's understandable. He's kind of a more hardcore He's a real power now kind of guy. Yeah, he doesn't deal with that, that Tom Hanks. Is he stuff. more like Michael Mann? He yeah. wants like. Yeah, he likes a gritty kind a, of like a. A gritty man movie. Yeah, like a James Caan kind of situation. I like a tough guy with like a sweetheart, like that movie, you know. Sure. Like The Godfather. <laughs> Do you guys want to play another tune? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. So <laughs> the album is coming out beginning of June. Um, uh, it comes out July second. July second. Okay. Yeah. Your your records in the same area that our record that we're waiting for is. Yeah, in that like, COVID limbo. Yeah, in the Suez Canal. Like we've been making the joke. <laughs> it's just like. When we pushed it back, they're like, well, there's a chance that it might get pushed back again. And I'm like, well, if it does, it's just whatever. Then people have to just deal with it because there's apparently like one place that they make records now or something. Mm -hmm. And and it's, you know. Yeah, we all know. We all know. So we just, we are (laughs) accepting it and we are doing the best we can. They could find that on your website or on Bandcamp? Yeah, so you can pre-order it on Bandcamp right now. So it's tashakimiyaki.bandcamp.com. We are constructing a website, so the website will be existing at some point soon. But right now, it's just Bandcamp is the best place. And then, of course, on Instagram, we have links to everything in our bio on Instagram. There's like a link tree thing that has, you know, anything you ever wanted to know. Yep. Totally. Uh, anything else coming up soon or uh, that, that people could check out? Or um, Like I said, we have a video that's going to be coming out uh, this week. So I... I I don't even, we're sort of, I'm waiting to hear when it's coming out. It's either Wednesday sure. or Thursday. So but Wednesday or Thursday, the video will be out. And then the single comes out on all the streaming platforms on Friday. Awesome. The one we just played. <laughs> awesome. Wait, this Friday, the whole record comes out. No, new no. single this oh, Friday. Oh, the new single this it's Friday. Gonna, because the rollout got extended, there's going to be a new single this Friday. Uh-huh. And then... At the end of next month, there'll be a one more single and another video. Awesome. And then in June, we have a like a weird dead month because the record was supposed to be out already. So we're going to do some special, some friends of ours are going to do some special remixes. I'm excited about that. I don't want to share that yet because that's to be, to be continued. Um, and then the record will come out um, July 2nd. And we're gonna try to do some more things like this, you know, like well, since things are open, or maybe they are open. I don't even know what's happening, you guys. I don't know what's happening with the COVID, but um, we're gonna do some virtual performances for sure. Very cool. Well, thanks again for coming out. Thank you so uh, much for having us. You guys are awesome. Yeah, it sounds everything sounds fantastic, and I incur- encourage everyone to go get the record when it does come out. And listen to the uh, the singles that are out and a new single that will be out this Friday. Um, and uh, watch the awesome videos that oh, uh, that you. Paige has been directing. And Sandy. And Sandy dancing in. Sandy dancing down Grand Avenue like makes me cry. It's just, I can't believe we filmed that. <laughs> and Luke was driving the car. <laughs> it's a group awesome. effort. It's a great shot. It's so do- good, right? Dolly. It's so good. What's that, Luke? I was the dolly, uh, uh, what do you call it? Tracking. You were the, the getaway van. Well, in a professional, <laughs> in a professional movie, you would probably have like track laid down, and the right. camera would be on like a little cart. But we were in a minivan. Yeah, instead we were in with a the minivan. door open. With the door open. The door open. Bad alignment. Driving in a bus line, like like a bus lane, like during a time that there was a lot of bus traffic. So. It was pretty miraculous that 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 happened. But that's exactly how Robert Zemeckis did Back to the Future. <laughs> so it all kind of comes. Full Definitely, circle. that's just not true. Well, it, it's as iconic. So. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> only, I mean, oh I was, d- no, go ahead, Sandy. I was going to say it only I think could have happened because of COVID, which is interesting because there's no way we would have been able to do that no. had it been downtown rush hour la traffic so in a weird way like that was only possible yeah because of that unique emptiness that probably we will never experience again yeah it's true Uh, and we managed to not have any masked people in our shots which is incredible yeah Yeah, i'm sure that would be difficult i hate it so i'm like oh thank god um do you guys want to play one more song out oh boy or is that uh, not another? the plan? No, oh, we, we plan. We we oh, prepared yeah, yeah. another one. Yeah, we have another. Is Luke on Cool Runnings? Should I play acoustic or what? Whatevs, bro. Well, what do you think? Whatever you got ready, probably. Okay. It sounded good on electric. Yeah, I have to retune though. 
Nah. No, this this capo. It... Zemeckis started out so good early on, and then he just really kind of dipped. <laughs> is this about Back to the Future again? Because yeah. I think Back to the Future 1 is kind of a perfect movie. Like, I don't... Well, that's what I'm saying. Zemeckis, he was just... Well, he didn't do the other two, did he? Probably not. I mean, the second one, there, the other two... I kind of like the third Wild West one with Mary Steenburgen better mm -hmm. than the second one. The second one is just really bad. The third was one of those movies that I had a VHS of and played it every night, like, on repeat. Really? All the time. I loved that that Western movie, or the, you know, the Western vibe, and I don't know, there was something about... It was ZZ Top. <laughs> the Western <laughs> one is cool. It's cooler than the one with Biff. Like, I don't like Biff. Biff Biff's in there. Biff but, Tannen. I know, Mad but the dog. second oh, Mad one, dog Tannen. the second one is like all about Biff. Right. Yeah. It's like this the Biff story. Like I, I don't mind Biff as like a minor character that shows up sometimes, but like I, I'd much rather learn about Mary Steenburgen. I do like how they marketed that one as like, oh yeah, that's a fictional, it's a separate like reality. And then it's like, oh great, it became reality. The Trump stuff. Yeah. Like. Every comedy thing did like a parody that ended up being our reality. Okay, that's close enough. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll we'll say a quick, quick goodbye when we come back. But uh, thanks again so much for coming out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so and much. And everything for us. sounds so good. Thank you. Thanks for this. I mean, setting everything up. Thanks again, guys. That was uh, uh, Toshaki Miyake on Ox Return. 
we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Um, if you are listening to the podcast version of this, um, we do the li- we do the show live uh, whenever we do it. So you can check out uh, the live stream of the show on our uh, YouTube channel at Ox Return. And if you want to find any upcoming thing or or find out the link for the video live stream videos. We will update our Facebook and our Instagram. We got some good stuff coming up in May and other stuff getting booked in June right now. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks again, guys. Thank you again. For and congratulations us. on the record. Thank you. All right. Watch. Make sure thanks. you watch Joe versus the Volcano. I will. I'll make sure. I never brought up the other movie that made me uncomfortable. It's Inner Space. So, by the way, just to, le- to end with that. Is Inner- that another Tom, Tom it's, Hanks? It's Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. And and is Martin is Martin Short, right? right. Martin Short always makes it uncomfortable. But no, Martin Short's the best. Dennis Quaid gets shrunken into a a miniature person and goes inside Meg Ryan in a little spaceship type. No, he he goes inside Meg Ryan at one point and he sees that she's pregnant. Terrifying. because they're making out. He right, switches so bodies. He travels to the other body. <laughs> From a sneeze. Don't they say he sneezes the guy out? It's, it's, a, we, it's a weird movie. I gotta get him off the glasses lens. And I could talk about this for a long time, but <laughs> there, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll start a VHS list. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, guys. Thank Bye. You. I don't think that one's a Zemeckis. What? <laughs>